Good morning, everybody. Kevin Draco with his dream house here along with Chef Mark and Kevin Kistner. Brought to you in part by Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom, Colorado's largest appliance and mattress retailer. This dream house, if you don't already know, is a program that's all about the home. And we're going to discuss renovations, remodel, and converting your property into your dream house. If you have any questions or comments, contact us by email at thisdreamhouse at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at thisdreamhouse. We'd love to hear from everybody. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Well, how was your Christmas? It was good. Yeah. It was nice and relaxing. Mine too, actually. Mine was pure chaos. Chaos? (laughs) Pure chaos. (laughs) Really? Yeah, flying out in negative 13 degree weather. Yeah, you did the travel Flight delay. I traveled to my my couch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I ended up in Phoenix. It was 70 degrees on Christmas. I like that part. Well, that's a good part. Yes, but uh, getting, getting there was a challenge. So thank you to all the flight crews and... Ground crew and everybody that works in the airlines for doing their best. We appreciate. I appreciate it. Did you lose your bag? I did not lose my bag. <laughs> but I also good. did not. I also didn't uh, check a bag. Mister Kistner, did yes. you go away? I stayed here. And uh, all right, and you had a good meal. I did. Good yeah. Christmas. With some little prime rib and. See, we celebrate. We do a Christmas Eve. <coughs> okay. We just always have. It's always been a tradition. So then on Christmas Day, it's just pure chill. However, Mr. Kistner. Yes. Um, I guess there's only one thing to really talk about. <laughs> With the Broncos. Big coaching change. And, and it was so funny. I couldn't help. Almost immediately, I thought, here we were last week saying, well, 50-50. But then Sunday happened. Yeah. And that was just as brutal of a loss as I can remember. It reminded me of the... The Josh McDaniels Raiders loss. Yes, very much uh, so. Back in 2009 or I was actually at that game. Okay, so you remember so I could, it Yeah, and perfectly. I couldn't leave. Well, I could leave. We left at, like, start of the third, uh, fourth quarter. However, this particular game, I have to be honest, I don't think I ever remember shutting a game off maybe two minutes into the second quarter, and I, I did that. I didn't even pay much attention to it, so I had to go back and rewatch it. Just because, like, we were eating lunch or early dinner at 2 o'clock, and it was just on, and then it was 17 nothing. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not even watching this. And every time I turned turn around, there was another touchdown on the board for the Rams. And he, when he got up to 50, I was like, I'm done. My, my cousin, Wait, my cousin bet 50, over. you were done? And yeah. Well, well, I was like, well, you're, I was, you're a dedicated fan. Yes. I was, I was done with Hackett. Like, that was, you got to get fired tomorrow. Well, and let's be honest, right? It had to happen. Yeah, and it did. It had to. You know what? Look, I know there's been some criticism and something. Look, and and I get it, right? You can't just. I guess you could just blow it all up. I, however, uh, I I I agree uh, that uh, Peyton should stay in position. That's my take, at least for now. However, I did like Penner's interview. To be honest with you, I here's you know what he spoke as a business leader that I would expect him to. That's. Ex- Exactly how I would expect yep. him to come out and talk. I thought he was uh, to the point. He didn't ramble. I thought he was concise. Uh, I loved his uh, description of leadership. I thought he was spot on. And he's put a lot of leaders into position. And I do like that this person will be reporting to him. And I am sure he is going to have a huge part in the say, if not all part, let's yeah. be honest. And uh, I, I'm excited about I, that. I want to go back to George Payton real quick. I think you have to fire him. And the reason I say that is because you have to start this whole thing over and you got to be in sync with everyone. Your head coach and GM, theoretically, your GM should be hiring your head coach 
but that's not going to be the case this year. But you need your head coach, your GM, and your quarterback all in sync with each other. Hey, you know, and quite frankly, to it, you don't think that sounds like what they're planning on doing? No, because here's what's going to happen, and we'll we'll save this audio for four years right. down the road. All right, it's going to be it's going to be a disaster next year with Russ and the head coach potentially, and then uh, Peyton's going to get fired. Well, you can't fire whoever the next head coach is again. So then you're just going to start overlapping GM and oh, coach. Ye of and such it, pessimistic. It's just going to be a feelings. disaster. Here's my feeling. We're going to get the right coach. I never Who's mean, it talked be? about. Well, I mean, that just depends. You know, to be honest, I know who I would like. I'll keep that. And we just don't have enough time to get in. Well, how about we we'll put this on the board for next week, who we would like. Right. Okay. Mark that spot. Let's talk about who we think. Uh, however, you know, here's what I do think. And, you know, I heard DMAC talk and he talked about, you know, money is going to get this right potentially. Well, yeah, that's probably going to be part of it. I never felt we were completely dialed in this year to begin with. There's too many holes. I think we're going to see some drastic changes. And are we going to be a playoff team next year? Maybe. Uh, look, there's plenty of teams in this new age of the NFL that have done it. And you need look no further than uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, and so it can be done. And I think it will be done. So that's that's what I'm hanging my hat on. All right. We'll see what happens. Okay, everybody. Very excited to have our first guest here, uh, Paul Bonacquisti from Bonacquisti uh, Winery. Um, Paul, I love your place. Um, we got invited uh, by one of my wife's friends out there for the very first time. This was, I think we, this was prior to me going to Ireland. And not only was the wine spectacular, um, it was very quaint. I, I mean, is that something that you really um, set up with your business and maybe even before you answer that question, tell us a little bit about what got you started into sort of winemaking. Well, first, thank thank you for having me. Today. Oh, we love having you. I couldn't wait to get you on to start talking about this. <laughs> Good. So, uh, yeah. So, really, my I grew up making wine as a family hobby. So, um, I found a winery for sale, which kind of triggered the light bulb in my head. I started, uh, I wrote a business plan to open an urban winery in Denver, and uh, we opened the doors in 2006. And where do you guys stack? I know there's a couple that are out there, but were you prior to others that were doing it already? Or no, Kev, we were kind of, you know, one of, the, one of the first ones. There there really wasn't, there was wineries in Colorado. And I will say this, I was, when we opened, I was number 64 winery to open in Colorado. So making wine where we're located, which is just off I-70 and Pecos over on the north side, um, there I mean, that was just crazy. People didn't know we made wine in Colorado, let alone here I'm making it in That's Denver. That's right. How about Denver, though? Where did you – I'm trying to get a grasp. Were you kind of the first one to start to do it in um, Denver as a winery? Were there people before you? Maybe somebody didn't make it, or how did that work? There were um, – uh, actually, in the city, so back in the mid-90s, there was a winery. Somebody tried a winery downtown on Blake Street at 24th and Blake uh, called Columbine Cellars. But it didn't. It was way ahead of its time, and it, it didn't make it. So, uh, But then other than, uh, you know, Balistrieri uh, Winery and also Spiro, they, they launched probably around, 90, I, don't, I think, 1999-ish. 
so they had been around, but mm. they're on the outskirts of Denver. They're not, uh, you know, in Denver proper. So I was the first in Denver proper. Sure. Okay. That makes but, sense. Yeah. yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, okay, we'll, we'll get into the wine and all that, but like, tell me a little bit about what your vision was for uh, your business. How did you want to have it come across to the public? And then you've already heard me describe it personally. And I want to talk a little bit about that on the air because I think for me, that's what makes it so fabulous. Mm-hmm. But so, well, we, we, we're an urban winery, like I said, so we don't own a vineyard. I, I don't own any vineyards. I source grapes on the open market, um, and we bring them to our facility. We crush, ferment, and bottle on site. So when you walk in, as you saw, Kevin, you walk in, the tasting counter is right there, right next to the production facility. I mean, it's all the same room. Sure. And, and that was my vision. I wanted people to see and be around the actual winemaking and see what's going on. I got a question. Um, are your grapes, do you prefer grapes from Colorado? And if so, where are those coming from? Yeah, I do. Uh, we, we look to Colorado first and foremost, and they come from Palisade, which is 11 miles from Grand Junction. And that's where 80 to 85% of the grapes in Colorado are grown in that valley. Oh, I've, I've had many a bottle of wine in Palisade. Oh, wonderful, it's, it's, yeah. Um, so I'm so excited to hear about this because – uh, the urban winery as a as a concept, I I, I didn't really right? realize that that you're there, and that's my neighborhood. So I, I will see you <laughs> tomorrow for lunch. Chef will, be, <laughs> Chef will be walking over there for you, buddy. But tell me more about the the grape selection. And um, are you a fan of Colorado grapes because you're Coloradoan, or is it the soil type, the climate, and the flavor profile that you're looking for? No, yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. It's it's all of that. I'm I'm a fan of Colorado fruit because that's our. I mean, this is our state. And I want to support our growers. And, um, and over the years, these growers have been working on, along with the research station at uh, Colorado State University, uh, have been working and developing these varietals that do the best here in Colorado. So, um, so we grow, you know, Merlot is, is great. Cabernet Sauvignon is great. All these, you know, grow, Cabernet Franc is stellar. Syrah is is very good too. So there's a lot of grapes that that everyone's um, well aware of that we grow here in the state and they do well. And then there's there's grapes that don't do very well and you don't and you don't hear very much about them. Yeah, because I imagine the, the climate there is hot during the day, cold at night, and then rocky soil. So you probably need to be matching the grape type to the to the just the exactly. topography. Yeah, and that's that's climate. the key is yeah, hot days, cool nights, which we have in Colorado. And uh, of course, no humidity is great for uh, you know no for pest <laughs> and mildew. We did the, there's things that just don't we don't get in Colorado. So if I come to your winery and I'm hungry, do will I find a food truck? Will I find a kitchen? Uh, what what you, what do your guests do? Yeah, we have so when we we do uh, events, we have a food truck comes in. So we work with a, a barbecue company called Revned Barbecue, which is Denver spelled backwards, oh, but fun. also uh, we also on hand uh, when they're not there, we have uh, charcuterie. Uh, we have meats and cheeses and olives sure. and, uh, and almonds and stuff, such like. Do we find your wines in restaurants, uh, liquor stores, uh, resources outside of the winery? Um, very a little bit. We do some limited distribution, uh, but we we do sell most of the winery direct to consumer right out of the winery. So, um, but. 
if you head to DeFranco's Italian at 9th and Lincoln, uh, they carry my wine. In fact, I do their house label. Also, Book Bar up at uh, 42nd and Tennyson. And also, Raisa's Brewing Company carries my wine on tap. And those are, and oh, and and uh, one more boombox, which is a I know boombox. Do you know boombox do, up yes. on North Pecos? Yeah, yeah, great place. It's got they've got Vinny No Neck. Yeah, I, I love yeah. I, I love the the urban uh, environment uh, so much. Though I'm always seeking out those little hole in the walls, which is why I'm uh, kicking myself for not knowing about your place sooner. We're up against the break, and I'm going to break. Uh, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the wine club and then a little bit more about the process, the time, uh, and how, how all that works. So uh, hang with us, and we'll be right back, everybody. Huge sale now at Appliance Factory. Thousands of appliances and mattresses in stock and on sale. Save 30 to 60%. They have the largest inventory in the western U.S. They get exclusive factory buys from manufacturers at a huge discount and pass that savings on to you. Guaranteed to beat Lowe's and Home Depot sale prices. Save 30 to 60% from GE to KitchenAid at Appliance Factory. Shop with confidence. Google 4.7 stars. 10,000 reviews. Plus, Mattress Kingdom inside Appliance Factory has unbeatable savings from Tempur-Pedic to Purple. Get huge savings now at Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom. Okay, everybody, welcome back to this dream house. And we are here with Paul Bona, Bona Quisti. See, Bona I got Quisti. it that time. I think I got it right. Did I not, Paul? You, you did. Yeah, I'm just, uh, it only took me a year. You know what happens? Hmm. I have been going there, right, on and off over a, God, four or five year period. And you read something. And you get to know it that way. And so I referred to it all the way, <laughs> incorrectly, obviously. Uh, of course, when I said it to my wife, she knew exactly what I meant. Uh, I guess that's all that's important. But uh, And then to have to get it right in your head after doing it that right. long. When you have the, the man himself sitting in your studio. And you, I do have nail the it. man. He is the <laughs> he is, man. He is. I'm so impressed. Yeah. I, wanna, I can't wait to learn more. So, Paul, before we went to break, we were talking a lot. I mentioned the uh, wine club. Tell us, tell our listeners how that works. Well, I have two wine clubs. So our, our first wine club is we I, – so what I, I make, I bottle um, three wines every quarter. Okay. So three new wines every quarter, and it coincides with our wine club release. So we do a quarterly wine club, three bottles, uh, runs about 65 bucks. Which is way reasonable, I felt, anyway. Yeah, and um, we have a big release party for wine club members, which we, we just had, you know, for December. And um, so we do it again. We'll do it again in March. Yeah, and by the way, everybody, I am a member. Now, you said there's two types. Yeah, and then I have another wine club, which is actually a wine and record club. So we're big on music. We always have been at the winery, um, and I launched a... Uh, wine and record club called Vinny and Vinyl, which is a monthly one bottle of wine and a new vinyl LP every month. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So. And and have people taken to that? I mean, I think the LP, I, I think it's gotten popular again, uh, vinyl. And uh, I'm wondering how that did as compared to just the standard one. Because here's what I heard, one bottle and one album. And I'm not shunning that. I think it's very cool. However, the one that I belong to, I get 
three. <laughs> you do, <laughs> which is much better for me. You get three, and the, so the yeah the the regular wine club is <laughs> is larger by by a long shot, and and that's because uh, a lot of people are vinyls made a resurgence, of course, but not everybody has a turntable these days. Sure, so, yeah. But so the vinyl heads, you know, we're looking for them, and the ones that like wine, and, uh, and it's been fun. You know, I was just I I saw on facebook the other day they did um i think it was 58 albums you know for uh rock pop i just call it popular music in 1976 and man that was an incredible i didn't realize how good 1976 was for vinyl but i remember buying uh, Blondie's first release, Queen and Night at the Opera. Wow. And I think uh, News of the World came out that year and uh, ACDC. Um, and I, I'm going, oh, my God, what a year. Like, you just don't find that anymore. And I get it. You know, the music has changed. But um, I thought, man, that's the nostalgia-ness, I think, of vinyl. You know, if you were. Yeah, uh, it's great to just. The, the tactile, uh, you know, feeling it and looking at it. Well, and the sound and the, of it, right? I mean, I have, a, great too, yeah. I have a buddy who loves his vinyl, and he has, you know, his equipment from the 80s. And it was very, you know, good stuff. It wasn't some entry level. And he just loves to put that vinyl on and hear that sound on that equipment. He says, you just, you just don't get it anymore, you know? I, by the way, I do favor digital, to be honest with you. I love digital sounding of an album hearing hearing the crispness of it. But anyway, enough about records. Tell us about wine. So um, so the, how does how do the grapes come into you? They come on a, a refrigerated truck. Okay. So they get picked into a harvest bin, which is a square, you know, the size of a pallet. Okay. Um, holds approximately 1,000 pounds. Now, you don't get in there and squish it with your feet like I, Lucy, do you? No, I do not. <laughs> Jeff, are you too young for that episode? I know Lucy. That was one of my favorite all-time episodes. It's everybody's, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's just it, classic. But anyway. It is a classic. So you don't do that. Um, now, does a little trivia about that, too. Okay, go ahead. Go. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. So even in the 50s, uh, that winemaking was mechanicalized. Okay. So, um, so, I mean, that was made for TV. Okay, you're <laughs> and right. It, and, it's gr- and it's a great episode. I'm not but you don't think they, they would have still done that in Italy at some um you know, I think uh, even today, there's some wineries probably do it even on a maybe on a small scale. Sure, yeah, that's what I was thinking, and uh, especially for social media, <laughs> right? But it's just a, another way to, and it may be your, you may think it's better because it's less, you know, it's not a machine crushing and destemming the grapes. It's it's more gentle. It's feet. Sure. So that's that's the blue smoke and mirrors of winemaking. And so this pallet type bin how 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 deep is it when you get them um four foot it's foot? about no they're let's see they are um so they're 40 by 40 square and then it's about 28 inches uh, high 30 okay. inches something like that and so now you let's next step would be to you just said then it goes in. into uh, a machine called a crusher destemmer okay which uh pummels the grapes and takes them off the stems so everything will fall through um, basically a sieve, um, and the stems get pushed out one side of the machine. Everything else falls to the bottom, the juice, the seeds, the, the skins, and that goes through the other side of the machine and gets pumped into your fermenter, which could be a stainless steel tank 
some people ferment in uh, back into these harvest bins, but that's your primary fermentation vessel, and that's where you'll kick off the fermentation. And how long does wine ferment for? Uh, fermentation is anywhere from uh, a week to three weeks, depending mm. on your style and, and the grape and conditions around that. So, but generally about, so let's just say two weeks of fermentation to turn the sugar into alcohol. And then after that, we, everything would go into a press, would squeeze all the wine out of the skins. And from there, it goes back into a tank, do some more settling, and then into barrels, if you so choose, uh, for aging and maturing. So, so let's talk about that real quick. I wanna, I'm trying to get a perception, right? Because when I think of a grape, I'm thinking if you're doing a run or you're trying to fill a barrel, how many of those uh, bins would you need to do, let's just say, a barrel? Like how many bins, yeah, go into like a barrel of wine? I would think one, it's a lot. One, one barrel. Actually, about 1,000 pounds will fill 60 gallons worth of wine. Is there anything that goes into – like I'm – I never thought of this either. Like, is there anything besides the grape that goes into the wine? No. No, so it just ferments no, just, naturally. Just Yeah, or yeast. You would pitch yeast. Um, most, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask then is why is why is everybody's wines different? You know, I mean, they have a lot of different cab salves, right? right. Some are dry. Some are a little more fruity. Some... Right. What is that the fermentation period that causes that? It is. Um, it, it's a lot of different... Uh, variables. So it could be, um, so to start off, we would say the the Cabernet, where is it coming from? So the area that it's grown is going to have a characteristic of its own. Okay. So Cabernet Sauvignon from Colorado, from Palisade, is going to taste different than Cabernet Sauvignon from California, any part of California. So uh, we have our own unique thing. But if, if both the, you and I start with the same grapes from the same vineyard, um, we're, prob- we're going to have some similar uh, characteristics when we try our wines together, but they're going to be different because you did a uh, different techniques. Okay. You may have used, maybe you did natural wild yeast and I pitched yeast. It's going to have a, an effect on the flavor, the barrel you aged it in. Uh, I was going to ask you now, like the tannin, where does the tannins come in from the barrel? They're uh, both. There's two types of tannin. There's grape tannins, which come from the skins. Okay. And then there's uh, oak tannin, which comes from the barrel. Yeah. Okay. So that, oh, and I'll tell you some of the oak, tannins really can come out in a wine which i love my wife not so much yeah um but i'm amazed that that flavor comes from the barrel itself in a barrel of wine that's kind of like hard for me to grasp yeah that uh you know the vanilla the cinnamon the toastiness uh, those are all qualities that come from the barrel so am i wrong to say sort of um I always use the term pepper because that was the only way I could describe it. Is that more the toastiness or like, am is, I describing it wrong? That is more from the particular style of grape or type of grape. Okay. So uh, Syrah, Zinfandel, Petite Syrah, they lend themselves to pepperiness and it, it's in the skin. I've tasted the raw grapes. Uh, there's a vineyard uh, I sourced from a few times and when you would – bite into the skins and chew on it that pepperiness was right there in the skin oh, right on. it was an amazing thing and in some years it was uh, it was really strong in other years it, mother nature doesn't put it in there so and, and i guess is this where then too and i'm just starting to wrap my head i don't know that i ever put a whole lot of thought to it uh, 
you as a winemaker, then, would you have a lot more fun making a blend and coming up with a flavor? You know, and I'm assuming the blends are just different percentages of the grapes. Correct. Most most wines are blended, uh, even though the label may not tell oh, you Oh, okay. I didn't so, know that. Okay. Um, it, so, the, yeah, that is that is the fun part, and that's the... You know that's the that's art the mastering part. It is. It's the art and the science. It's part of the. It's part of the, the the fun process. And de- winemakers have. They all have a different philosophy towards it. Some I know winemakers that are very analytical, uh, very science oriented, measuring, and and then me. I, I I'm more towards the artistic side. Although I I do measure and and things like that, but um, I like I like to see what the wine will do, and then I taste it, I smell it, yeah, and then we break out. Uh, beakers and things and and measure small percentages of stuff and do you keep like i like what's the d the blend that i like it's yeah one of my wines it's called d red d red yeah do you always have d red uh pretty much i do although i'm uh i'm about to sell out right now and it'll probably be back um i better get over there yeah oh. in the next few months it, yeah so yeah the d red you better get in paul we are out of time let everybody know the address again, and um, they can also join the wine club. I joined online, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe give the website address. Yep, the website is bonaquistiwine.com. Give a spelling, because there's a little odd letter in there that I would have never put in there until I went to email you. And I went, oh, look at that, there's yeah, a C. Yeah, there's a C in there. Yeah. B- yeah, B-O-N-A-C-Q-U-I-S-T-I. And when you look at it, Bonacquisti, it means good purchase in Italian, or good acquisition is the literal translation. Awesome. And what was the website again? Bonacquistiwine.com. And the address, if people want to come in person, and I, I'm telling you folks, go there on a Saturday afternoon. You'll have an amazing time. 4640 Pecos Street, Unit I. We're just a block south of I-70. We're in the same plaza as Quiznos. You know, we're, all, you, we're all the wineries. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. With uh, well, listen, we want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. I really, uh, I really enjoy your business, and I really want to make sure uh, everybody hears about it, all our listeners. And hopefully, you will all go see Paul. Tell him you heard him on the show. Tell Absolutely. him you want to join the wine club. I'm, I know Chef's on his way. I'm on the way. He's going to walk. Yeah, <laughs> uh, crawl home. All right, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. All right, Chef, along the line of wine. Kevin, you got the clock ready. I am ready. It is 10-second Chef Tips uh, uh, time, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yes. Uh, And... You know, I, and I was trying to think of how I wanted to introduce this because I wanted to tie it into what we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's a great a great segue. I like it. Yeah, and I, of course, was sitting here thinking, how could I do that? And I came up with, I think, a decent one for you, Chef. Are okay. you ready? I am ready. Ten seconds. I want to know how someone who is doing either deglazing or reducing with wine, okay. uh, how long or how do you know when the alcohol has burned off? Go. Uh, the alcohol cooks off very quickly. At about 115 degrees, all the alcohol is dissipated. So you really just need to bring to a gentle simmer for a few moments, and it's good to go. 8.2. Winner, winner, chicken wow. dinner, buddy. Wow. You know. <laughs> and That was good. Thank you. I, I, I wasn't really ready for the question. I thought you might ask me what is glazing or what is reducing. And I think most people know what that is by now. 
Uh, so that's a great question. Yeah, you know, when you're when you're buying wine, you don't want to store it in your car because the interior of a hot car can get above 115 degrees, and you can basically spoil your wine, cook off the alcohol. It's a pretty low temperature that it dissipates. Yeah, and so I two things that I that I have made that I love to cook with wine. One okay. is short ribs. Mm, yum. With onions. Okay. Heck yeah. And then I think any general um, wine sauce uh, or. De- what would you call that? Is it a wine sauce? Oh, uh, yeah, reduction, a, reduction of wine. And so sure. I love, 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 love garlic, mushrooms, and onions and a reduction. I love oh, it. Oh, my God. Me too. Me too. It, it can't get flavorful enough. Is there, other than the ingredients that I just yeah. described, mm-hmm. is there anything? Because I don't generally, I don't think I really add flour. Maybe I do. Maybe to get a little thicker. Yeah, but I don't you think could. so. It gets pretty thick. It, itself, right? It, it doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily tighten up or thicken up. But you know, as things reduce, they're going to intensify in flavor. And you know, if you're looking for that restaurant thick demi glace, you're looking at hours and hours and hours of time and prep. Most people don't have time for that. So, taking a hot pan with your onions and your garlic, splashing some wine in there, letting it cook down, and most importantly, finishing it with a big chunk of butter at the end, ah, so it's rich and shiny. Don't know that I put a so, butter in there. Yeah, well, but so what, so what if it's a little thin? Because by the time you dip your potatoes and your yeah, steak, you don't care. How does it taste, man? It's gonna taste fantastic, and you need it. You need the bread then to sop that up. It's the best part. Amen, brother. Oh, I'm I can't with you. wait. Let's okay, go. Okay, now I'm drooling a little I'm bit. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. I hope you guys love the show. Please get out there and uh, support uh, Paul over at Bonacquisti Winery. I'm telling you, they're fabulous. The wine is just, I just, I love it, to be honest with you. Uh, don't forget to join us next Saturday here on 104.3 The Fan for more great information all about the house on This Dream House. Have a great day, everybody.